He can't. So, a couple of announcements tonight. Love your body, ladies. We want you here. Six o'clock. It's a discussion deal about body image. Either it's an issue for you or it's an issue for somebody you're close to. We want you to come. Six o'clock tonight, Angie. Boy, for if you have any questions, you can see Angie. Uh, so in order to help facilitate that, since they are girls, we're going to stay and move chairs. So any of you that want to stay, or maybe I should rephrase that, any of you that can stay uh, after this service, if you'd help us, we're going to set the room up for them tonight. We've got to clear these chairs out, bring in some tables, and uh, I'll help direct that. So some of you guys, when we're done tonight, this afternoon, if y'all can hang around, that'd be great. Um, youth, we said before we're, we're in the final stages of looking for a youth director. We have three guys who are kind of the, our final candidates. One of them came and spoke last Sunday. One's coming tonight. So students, parents of students, tonight one of the guys who we're looking at is coming. And then Thursday at 6 o'clock we're going to have a youth meeting. We're not having one next week because of Taste of Marietta. So Thursday at 6 we'll have another meeting with one of the candidates. So those of you who have students, are students, please try to be around Tonight, 5.30, net on Thursday at 6. Uh, Taste of Marietta, I mentioned that's next week, this huge festival. We will not have an 11 o'clock service next week. We'll have a service Friday night at 5, Saturday at ni- or Saturday night at 5, Sunday at 9. Saturday 5, Sunday at 9. So don't come at 11. You won't be able to find a place to park in addition to many other frustrations that you may experience. So... Pick one of those two. We are opening up the church during the Taste of Marietta, and we need some hosts. You can sign up for that out front. We're going to set up tables in here. People can come eat. They can cool off, use the bathrooms, all those kind of things. You can see Kim if you have any questions on that. And one other, baptisms. May 6th, we'll have baptisms at both services, 9 and 11. We do believer's baptism. If you're a Christian, you've never been baptized in water, please come see me and we can talk with you about that. Penny will be talking with your kids as well, and we can help you navigate through if your children are ready to make that commitment. So 1 Corinthians 12, we've been looking at 1 Corinthians a little bit out of a time. Chapters 11, 12, 13, 14 are all about corporate worship. If you have a Bible at the top of chapter 12, it probably says spiritual gifts, which would make you think, well, it's all about spiritual gifts. There's not really a whole lot there on gifts only as those gifts relate to the way people are functioning together in the body. We'll look at that a little more this week, uh, or next week. This week what I want to talk about is uh, there are four spiritual gifts passages. Uh, We're going to read all four of them. They're all very brief, and then we'll see if we can piece anything together that would be helpful for us. So this is starting in verse 8. To one there's given uh, given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another uh, miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 28. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. Actually, the word workers of is not in there. It just says then miracles then healings is actually a more uh, correct interpretation there. Those able to help others with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues, are all apostles. The implied answer is no. 
Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is Romans 12. It'll be on the screen. You don't have to flip there. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And then over in Ephesians 4, it was he, that's Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up. So that's what you've got. Those are your spiritual gifts passages in the Bible. There's a few mentioned, a few uh, gifts mentioned in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians that we'll look at when we get to chapter 14. Some of you maybe have, depending on your background, you maybe have taken spiritual gifts tests or assessments. You may have gone to classes. You may have read books. You may have a pretty well-developed theology of spiritual gifts. Most of that stuff, no disrespect, most of that stuff um, is uh, there are some pretty big interpretive leaps taken. I, just, I gave you the material. Uh, there's not lists of definitions, there's not examples, nowhere in the ministry of Jesus as he said, okay guys, here is an example of a word of knowledge, and then he, it's not in there. Uh, Paul has these, what appear to be very random lists scattered throughout his letters, and that's that when it comes to spiritual gifts. I think for us, you have a sheet, if you've got an outline, there's not really an outline, it's just a list of the gifts that I found in the New Testament. I divided them up into three categories. You can divide them up however you want to. Things we say, things we do, and roles that we play. I'm not going to read all those definitions. All of you know how to read. You can do that on your own time. Those definitions are tight. That's biblically, this is my opinion, that's about as far as you can go. Um, again, you can make some inferences and things like that. I didn't do any of that. I tried to say as tight as I could for our purposes You've got what we say, what we do, and roles we play. But for today, the way I want us to look at gifts are ones that are spectacular and ones that are not. Or ones that are obviously supernatural and ones that are not. The ones that have an asterisk next to them on that sheet of paper, those are the ones that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Uh, Paul calls them manifestations or disclosures or revealings of the Spirit's activity. Therefore, because their, their intention is to show that the Holy Spirit is present among us, that God is with us, they are obviously supernatural, or I would say they're spectacular. That's what I'm going to use because all of these gifts are supernatural. I'm just going to use the word spectacular, and you get what I'm saying with that. So you see those words that have asterisks. The only uh, one that I added was revelation. All of those gifts to me are available to all of us as Christians whenever we need them. So those gifts, those are all on the table for everybody who says, I'm following Jesus. If you read through, again, kind of Paul's understanding here, these are not permanent possessions of any one particular person. Gifts, plural, of healing. The implication there is that each instance of healing is a gift in and of itself. It's not necessarily that Brandon has the gift of healing and everybody he touches is going to suddenly get better. That's not the way it works. Each instance of healing is a gift in and of itself, and it's on a need. It's a, it's a, it's a need-based 
gift that's given in those moments when healing is necessary. So I think there are gifts that are more lean more towards the permanent possession, and those are the ones that I did not star. Those are and those for us, most of us don't have an issue with any of that. We don't get freaked out when somebody stands up and starts talking about serving or giving or leading. Like those are we we get those. Again, those are not intimidating to us. We don't try to avoid those types of opportunities or we don't avoid those gifts. It's these ones again that are more obviously spectacular that make us kind of start looking for the back door when those things come up. And so that's what we want to focus on this morning. I'm going to focus again just on that handful of gifts, recognize that these others are just as supernatural as these spectacular ones. I just think for us again that they're not that uh, they're not intimidating. We're not we don't get nervous about those. We don't have issues um, saying, yes, I've been given the gift of serving, or yes, I've been given the gift of teaching. We're, we're more than happy to grab onto those labels. It's when we start talking about tongues and healing and miracles that we start looking around to find somebody else and say, that's them. That's not me at all. So, permanent possession, I would say, not those ones with an asterisk, not necessarily the ones without, more so. I actually don't think that's a huge issue one way or the other. We've all been given the Holy Spirit. He is the permanent possession for us. So you don't need to worry a whole lot about how firmly you have these gifts because the giver lives within you. So anything you need, you can have, you can receive from him. You have the source. And that's what's important for us is to recognize that we have the source living within us. The source of all of these gifts resides within us. So whether or not you have any of these as a permanent possession becomes less important assessments i'm not a huge fan if it helps you by all means take them i feel like it tends to pigeonhole people and then we can use that that's not my gift which means i don't want to do that normally every time that's that that's just the way it works for us it's not we don't most of us don't take those things and then suddenly open ourselves up to a world of opportunity we use it in order to say no to things Uh, but again if that if that helps you by all means Take it, those eight that I starred or nine that I starred, those are not going to come up on your spiritual gifts test. They're not. Um, Some of those others may or may not. A lot of that has to do with temperament and all of those types of things as much as it has to do with gifting. So let me pick up in verse 1 of chapter 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant, which would have been helpful if he actually told us something. He doesn't, so we kind of remain ignorant through the rest of the passage here. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Just You get this, but just so you know, he's not talking about formulating those words. Anybody can formulate those words. Um, what he's referring to is there were uh, the Corinthians were elevating the gift of tongues, and it was the be-all, end-all for them. And so apparently their corporate worship services, church, like this, was just a whole bunch of people speaking in tongues all the time. It was chaos. And the people who didn't have this gift, when he says, does everyone, have the, does everyone speak in tongues? The implied answer is no. The people that didn't have this gift were either faking it or feeling like second-class Christians because they didn't speak in tongues. So these gifts that God gave that were intended to build up the body are actually destroying the body. And what Paul's trying to say is, inspired speech that's not the thing that's not the badge of spirituality content matters you can look at all these different pagan religions and everything almost that paul lists here 
is present in these pagan religious services. They prophesy too. They, they have these inspired, ecstatic utterances as well. Doing that is not the thing. It's the content that matters. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit, different kinds of service, but the same Lord, different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. I wouldn't make a big deal out of those words, gifts, service, and working. Paul uses language uh, pretty flexibly, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily see oh, those are some divisions, but about three different types of things. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, and then he lists those gifts that we just talked about. The main issue here, again, what Paul's trying to do is get their worship services together. Chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14, that's the focus. And spiritual gifts is one of the issues. It's one of the places where they're missing it. They were missing it with communion. We looked at that, and now they're missing it with spiritual gifts. And so he's trying to address that issue with them as well. Again, what they're doing is they're prioritizing tongues. They're giving it precedence over every other gift. That's why when he lists it in 1 Corinthians 12, it's always at the end of the list because he's trying to devalue it in their mind. They've put too much emphasis on it. When we get to chapter 14, the whole chapter is on tongues and prophecy. And the point he's trying to make is when we're in here together, we need to understand each other. If I come in here and start speaking Japanese, anybody can understand me? Andrea and Yoshi. So we get two out of 150 who are going to understand. It doesn't do me any good. And that's what Paul's saying to the Corinthians. You're speaking in tongues, which is a great gift. Nobody understands you. There's no, that's hyper-individualistic. There's no community aspect. Again, these gifts that are supposed to edify and encourage and build us up as a body, you are using to destroy us, so get it together. That's why, again, tongues is at the bottom of all of these lists and why it gets so much attention in chapter 14, because it's the problem. Nor, it's not a problem for us. He would come at us with a different um, perspective but for them again that's so that's why tongues gets the amount of attention it gets in chapters 12 13 and 14 is because it's the problem what paul's trying to get them to see and we'll look at this more next week is all of these gifts are equally valid they've all been given by the lord so how in the world can you run somebody else down because they don't have a particular gift it's what are they supposed to do god is the one that gives the gifts how can you hold them responsible, make them feel like second-class Christians, there's nothing they can do about it. Those of you who have kids, it's like if someone's making fun of one of your kids because you didn't get them a particular present for Christmas, how is that your kid's fault? You're the parent. You chose what to give them. And the same thing is happening in the church. They're, they're getting on one another because of what gifts their father has chosen to give them. And again, we'll look at that a little bit more next week. What I want us to see this morning, just a couple of things. One is the expectation that spiritual gifts would be exercised within the corporate worship setting. Whether that's, they had house churches, so that's probably anywhere from a dozen, two dozen, maybe three dozen people, depending on the size of the house. They had larger gatherings as well, so for us, that would be in our small groups that many of you meet in in homes, and corporately on Sunday mornings. The expectation, according to Paul, is that these gifts will be Evidence. I think that's why I don't spend a whole lot of time defining them because they're already experiencing them and so they don't need a lot of definition. For us, they don't need a lot of definition because honestly, it really doesn't matter. 
um, if somebody stands up and, they, and I were to give them the, the microphone and they would say, I feel like God is saying this this morning, would you care if it was a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a prophecy or a revelation? You don't care what the label is. What you want to know is, is God speaking to us today? Do you care if it's the gift of faith or the gift of healing or the gift of miracles? No. What you want to know is, did something happen? Is there any fruit from this in my life or in our community? The labels don't really matter. Paul doesn't spend any time on that. However, we do need to recognize that these gifts should be present when we gather. A couple of things we can, uh, ditches we can fall into. We can overemphasize. That's what the Corinthians were doing. They were taking tongues and they were elevating it to a place that God never intended it to have. They were taking one gift and sticking it way up here. And we can do that with anything. There's some churches that put teaching, and it's, it's way up here. And the only thing that matters is teaching and get me fed and that kind of thing. Churches can overemphasize prophecy. You can overemphasize healing. You can Any one of the gifts we can overemphasize, and that's where it's so important. What Paul's trying to remind them is God designed the body to be a body. And for you to elevate one gift versus another, not only is it distorting the body, the people who don't have that particular gift, again, there's nothing they can do about it because gifts are given, they're not earned. There's no test you can take. There's no technique. There's no steps that you can walk. There's nothing you can do to get God to give you any particular gift. And then when we begin to elevate one versus another, all it does is divide what God has meant to unify. So we don't want to overemphasize. We also don't want to under. Emphasize. And again, that's where those starred ones on your sheet come into play. Most of us don't underemphasize the ones that are kind of easy for us. Giving, leading, serving. Yeah, we're good with those. These ones that are more spectacular, it's easy to underemphasize those because honestly, a lot of times they're weird. And none of us, most of us, don't want to be weird. And so we distance ourselves from those more obviously spectacular gifts. We don't want to fall into that trap we don't want to under if you go through and you look some significant fruit can happen from those gifts can produce significant fruit uh, scott was talking about desperation when your back has been hurting for years and nobody can fix it you're more than happy for a little weirdness if your back's going to get better if that's all it takes if you've been struggling for direction in your life and advice is not helping you. Most of us are willing to undergo a little weirdness if we can hear a word from God that says move this way or move that way. So we don't want to underemphasize particularly these ones that are more obviously supernatural. And we also don't want to humanize the gifts, which I think that's an easy thing for us to do as well. Again, especially with those that are not starred. Uh, it's easy to confuse natural talent, um, aptitude, experience with gifting with the supernatural there are plenty of people who don't know jesus at all who are great teachers it's not a spiritual gift we can say well it's a natural talent and god gave that that's fine but that's not what paul is talking about he's talking about a gift given by the holy spirit for the purpose of building up the kingdom of god if someone is not connected to jesus they they're not they're not on the they're not on the recipient list for spiritual Yes, there are great leaders who aren't Christians. It's not a spiritual gift. There are people who aren't Christians who are incredibly generous. It's not a spiritual gift. There are people who are servants who are not Christians. It's not a spiritual gift. It's something else, 
but it's not what Paul is talking about in Romans and 1 Corinthians and in Ephesians. These are gifts given by the Holy Spirit to God's people in order to accomplish God's purposes. We don't want to overemphasize, we don't want to underemphasize, and we absolutely don't want to humanize. And again, that's why those spectacular ones can cause us some concern because we can't. You can't really humanize those. How do you humanize somebody being healed physically? It's a difficult, it's not, that's not a medical thing there. It's not doctors, it's not medicine, it's not surgery. That's an instantaneous, hey, you were broken and now you're not type thing. That's, we can't fake that, but we can't humanize that, and so we can tend to distance ourselves from it. So, don't overemphasize, don't underemphasize, don't humanize, but you do want to use. We want to focus on utilization. I don't care if you know definitions, and I don't think God does either. I don't care if you can give me examples of what these particular gifts are, and I don't think God cares about that either. I think what he cares about is, are you using the tools that I'm making available to you? Here are all of the things that are, that are options for you in terms of accomplishing my will. Are you using them? Are you leaving some of the tools on the bench? God accomplishes his purposes by his spirit through his people. That's just the way it is. Very, very rarely does he work directly. And by that, I mean not through a human agent. He almost always works by his spirit through his people. And spiritual gifts are the how. Those are the tools. Those are what God uses to actually accomplish his work. When the Holy Spirit is working through you, that is most likely going to be manifested or demonstrated by spiritual gifts. It's the Holy Spirit giving you what you need in a situation to accomplish the will of God. And that's where we want, we do want to be experts at that. We want to be comfortable utilizing the gifts that God has given us. Again, primarily those spectacular ones are the ones that make us nervous. Many of you, you've been serving for a long time. You've been teaching for a long time. You've been leading for a long time. You've been showing mercy for a long time. Those aren't the things that give you heartburn. That doesn't make you sweat. It doesn't make you nervous when we start talking about those things. You're more than willing to step in to those opportunities. These ones where maybe there's something, one of these others, those starred gifts, that's when we start to get nervous and we want to become better, for lack of a better word, at utilizing those gifts. We don't want to, again, just become experts theoretically. We actually want to be practitioners. So how do we do that? Spiritual gifts are not a reflection on your spirituality. And anyone who tells you otherwise, that's not true. That's a lie. God doesn't say, Nancy's my favorite, so she's going to get this really nice gift, and I don't like Brandon so much, so I'm going to give him this other one. That's not, it does not work that way. Gifts are given his pleasure. Read chat verses 4, 5, 6. Same spirit, same Lord, same God, works all of them in all men. Each one manifestation for the common good. He gives them to each one just as he determines. Don't allow that's a lie from the enemy to cause you to pull back. You're not spiritual enough. You don't know God well enough. You haven't read the Bible enough. You messed up last week. You can't fill in the blank. Spiritual gifts are not a reflection on your spirituality at all. All that stuff is determined by God. We just need to put ourselves out there, and he's going to do whatever he's going to do. Spiritual gifts are given to you for others. 
Ephesians 4, to build up the body for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, for the common good. Romans 12, each member belongs to the others. My gifts are given to me for Katie. They're not given to me for me. And Scott's gifts are given to Scott for me, not for Scott. If you're not exercising the gifts that God has given you, you are robbing us of the grace of God. You're stealing from us. Remember, God works by his spirit through his people. That means you. And if you're not actively cultivating the gifts that God has given you, if you're not taking advantage of the opportunities to step out and allow God to use you, you're cutting off a channel of his grace to me and to the other people who are connected with you. Not to make you feel guilty. It's incredibly selfish to do that. To be a, allow your fear of things not working out or, look, or things being weird or your sense of inadequacy to prevent God's grace from moving and flowing into another person's life. No. Because of that, you can pursue these gifts with fervor. He says that at the end of chapter 12. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. In this context, it means anything other than tongues. That's what he's telling the Corinthians. Just go for anything except that one because you're killing each other with that one. For us, that's not necessarily on the table, but the picture is, yes, seek these greater, seek the gifts of the Spirit. They're not for you. They're for the people who you're connected to. They're for the people that you love. It's not selfish for you to seek those things. We're not going to give you a title. We're not going to give you a business card where you can write gift of healing on it's that's not what we're doing here they're given to you for other people so it's not selfish to seek those things out because the the only way they're used is is on the is for on behalf of for the benefit of others who you're connected to so you want to follow the leading of the holy spirit he's trying to accomplish the will of god on earth and as you follow him you inevitably will wind up in positions where you need some of these tools you don't have to go looking for those things. If you're following the Spirit, he's trying to accomplish God's will on the earth. So eventually, he will lead you into situations where you need a tool that's not in your tool belt. And that's where that moment comes when you need the gift of healing. You need the gift of prophecy. You need some of those things that have stars on them because it's beyond your ability to obey in that moment. What God is asking of you and what you're able to do don't line up. We've talked before, that creates that faith gap. This is what I can do, and this is what God wants me to do. This is where faith comes in, the space between those two things. And as you, and again, you don't necessarily have to go seeking out these things. If, you're just, if you say, I'm going to be faithful to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to allow him to lead me every day, he'll put you in those situations. I was talking to a lady after the 9 o'clock service. She's a flight attendant, and she said, every time before I get on a plane, just real quick, I say, God, I'm available. God, I'm available. That's it. She's going to interact with however many people she interacts with on a plane. And she's just reminding herself. There could be something here other than serving Coke and peanuts and making sure everything's, everybody's comfortable on this airplane. It might be something for you to think about. Tomorrow morning when you get up, just on the way to work, I'm available. Being that sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he'll lead you into directions where you'll need his gifts. I went to Argentina when I was 23. We went with a group of students, and we connected with this larger mission group. There was probably 400 people on this trip, and we were broken down into groups of 60. And out of my group of 60 or 70, I knew 10. I knew the folks who 
were with me. In a lot of ways, the trip was a complete nightmare. I went down there pretty well adjusted, and it took me a while to recover. So we would go to these churches, and everybody speaks Spanish, except all of y'all speak Spanish. I obviously don't. I'm speaking English. It's Argentina. That's okay. So there's this, there's always some type of altar call at the end, kind of like what Scott was showing on the picture. And people were four and five and six deep as this team, me and all these other uh, English speakers are up front. And I noticed what was happening is people would move from one to the next. They'd get Daniel to pray for them, and then Katie, and then Brandon, and then Katie, and then me. And, and I, they would stop once they fell down on the ground. So that was the goal, apparently, was some people call that being slain in the spirit. So whatever that looks like for you, if that's an issue, I just say that they were looking the presence of God to be so strongly upon them that they would fall down or that somebody pushed them over. One of those two things is what they were going for. That was the mark of spirituality. And so we would have people move down. And there were some people who legitimately were being touched by God. It was obvious. And there were other people, not so much. But in that culture where we were, that was, that was the badge. It wasn't speaking in tongues. It was falling over when somebody prays for you. And so they would just move from person to person. And I'm starting to get performance anxiety when they're coming to me because if they don't fall down, they're going to the next person. I'm a leader on the trip. And so I'm thinking it looks bad if they skip over me for whatever reason. Especially if it's over me to one of my kids. I have, I'm a youth guy. And so it's one of these, and I'm going, how does that play? It's making me very uncomfortable. And so over the course of these two weeks, I start retreating farther and farther back when it comes to the ministry side of things because I don't want the pressure of feeling like I've got to perform. I've thought about different ways of knocking old ladies over. I can do the <laughs> foot behind. Uh, there are all kinds of things. I'm bigger than a lot of them. And I can just, we, we can make it work if we need to make it work. Doesn't feel good to me either. And so then when we get back on the bus, these guys who, many of whom are just, to me, off the chart weird, are using this vocabulary. I don't even know what they're talking about. I was praying for this person and there were these rivers of living water flowing out of, I'm going, what are you talking about? What does that feel like? Rivers of living water flowing out of you as you're praying for something? I'm like, i got a trickle of something, maybe. I, I, I don't, and they're talking, and that, so that's just making me feel more and more inadequate, and so I'm receding farther and farther back. And it takes me literally probably three or four years, which is bad when you're in my line of work, it took me three or four years to kind of get through all of that. And so in my mind, this is what I'm thinking. This is not good. I just need some wins. That's what I start thinking. I need some wins when it comes to this. I need to pray for somebody and have them get healed instantly. I need something. I need some rivers here. Something's got to happen for me or I've got to go find something else to do because this is not working. And I remember there was a time and there was a girl, and she had a migraine right then. And she said, will you pray for me? And I'm going, mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I pray for her, and her headache goes away just like that. She didn't have, I don't know if she's had another one. It's been years. And I thought, hey, that's a win. And I didn't feel any different. And somebody came up with me who had a bad back, and I prayed for them, and they were healed instantly. I didn't feel any different. And somebody with a bad knee, same thing. It didn't feel any different. With a bad wrist, same. I, it, it wasn't changing anything for me. I never felt rivers, and uh, I, it didn't, I didn't have any 
It didn't change anything to me when somebody would ask for prayer. I didn't suddenly, oh, yes, we can do, you know, it's none of that. For me. It was the same. Internally, I felt the same. It was just as much a risk the 10th time as it was the 50th time as it was the 100th time. If you have a physical need right now, I will 100% pray for you to be healed. And I have zero idea whether God's going to heal you right now or not. I don't know. I know he can. I have zero questions about his power. But I don't know how all of it works. And, I'll, and I'm not wishy-washy. I'm not going to do the if you will. I'm just going to say, God, heal. If you want it, then that's what we're going to pray for, for you to be healed. But I don't know if he's going to do it or not. And I, all this time I had this misconception in my mind that I just needed more wins in order to somehow, then it would feel different. And I would know, okay, this, it doesn't work that way. Every time you take a step, particularly with those starred gifts, it requires faith. It's not like hitting a putt because you've practiced hitting putts and you know you can hit it. That's not what this is. This isn't something, this isn't practice, this isn't experience. This is a gift given in a moment in order to meet the need of somebody who's not you. And God is using you to do that. He's working through you. But you don't, we don't know how that's going to play. And so I'm just saying that if, in case that if you're one of those people like me, you feel inadequate. Well, I'm not in a position to be used by God because I sinned last week. Well, then you're never going to be used by God because you're going to sin this week and you're going to sin next. That's not it. I didn't read the Bible enough. What does that mean? How much do you have to read it in order to receive a gift? Well, I've never experienced it before. Well, there's a first time for everything. I mean, at some point, we've got to move past our own sense of inadequacy and say, God, if this is what you want to do, I'm available. I'm available. Use me how you will. Not just the ones that I'm comfortable with. Use me with the starred gifts also. One of the areas where, you know, I, I sometimes it feels good for me. There are times where I feel like God says very clearly, here, say this. This is a, a word, whatever, however you want to phrase it, this is what's going on in the group. Ask for this. And I've done that multiple times. I've said, I feel like there's a lady in here who's had an abortion. You've never told anybody. A lady stands up and says, that's me. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, those are wins, so it's easy, and it's always going to be that way. I had a lady come into my office this week and spill her guts and say, here's my problem. And I looked at her and said, I got nothing for you, nothing. And we prayed, and I still had nothing for her. I don't know. I'm not trying to knock your confidence. I'm just, to me, every time is a step of faith, and there are no guarantees with any of it. So if you're holding yourself if you're keeping yourself on the sidelines because you feel like you're inadequate, you don't have enough experience, you haven't walked with God enough, any of those things, then you're completely missing the gift part of gift. They're given to us. And if you think, well, because this worked for me one time, it's going to work every time. No, that's not how this stuff plays out. Our responsibility is to be faithful to the Lord and to love other people he takes care of results so if somebody's sick and they want to be healed then for goodness sakes pray for god to heal them he is or he's not but you pray for god to heal them if somebody needs direction then ask god for a word whatever you want to call it of wisdom of knowledge of prophecy of revelation. i don't care what you ask for ask for a word from god for that person and he'll give it to you or he won't but what we want to do is constantly say i'm available 
putting ourselves in positions to be used by God because none of that's for us. They weren't my migraines that went away. It's somebody else. You're not asking for yourself. You're asking for me. You're asking for your spouse, for your kids, for the people who you're in relationship with. So this is what I want us to do. Is somebody going to, one of you two? Bill, thank you. Is going to come forward. We're going to close with worship. And we're going to have two two invitations. You come to this side if you have a, uh, a need in your life. You're sick. You need direction. Whatever. You need God to work. And we're going to trust him over here to give gifts through these guys who are praying. Not because they're special, but because they're saying, I'm available this morning to be used by God. And so we'll have some groups up here and we want you to come and just say, this is the need in my life. And let's trust God to meet that. And then we're going to have some other guys over here who will pray. And if there's a situation where you say, you know what, I could use this gift. There's this guy at work, and he's got this. And it would be awesome if God gave me the gift of healing tomorrow. And I could pray for it. It would be great if God would give me a word for this guy. So if that's you, and you're in a situation, and a gift not for you. So this is you need the gift for you because you're hurting this is you want the gift for somebody else. You're in a situation and you're like, man, this would be great if I could be a channel of God's grace in this way. Then we want you to come over here and we're going to pray for you over there as well. So you guys can stand. I'm going to pray. Ministry teams, y'all come forward. And Bill will dismiss us when we're done. God, we don't want to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. But actually, more than not being ignorant is we don't want to, we don't want to leave on the table tools that you've given us to bless people who we're in contact with. We don't want to leave gifts on the table that you've given to us in order to give to other people. No, we don't want to allow our, our fear or our sense of inadequacy to cause us to live short of your best for us. So my prayer during these next few minutes, not because we're great, but because you are an incredible father who longs to give good gifts to his children, is that you would pour your gifts out upon us. People who have broken bodies, God, I pray that their testimony would be, God healed me on April 22nd at 1220. And I've been better since. People who have ripped relationships, God, that they would be reconciled to one another. People who need direction, God, that you would speak a word to them about turning left. Or turning right. God, people who are saying, use me. Please use me. God, I pray for a stirring in their heart. God, for an equipping for those guys as they go out uh, into their workplace tomorrow, into their schools or places of business, whatever that looks like, that they would go fully confident that you not only can use them, but that you desire to use them to be a channel of your grace into the lives of those that they're connected with. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.